we have what's called the summons of the word to remind us of how important what we're about to do is. That's Matthew chapter, from Matthew chapter 4. Let's read these words that are found in your bulletin. Jesus said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Amen. In our text this morning, we're taking from Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. The word of the Lord. I don't know if you kids know this, but in the ancient world, the stars were a really, really big deal. Yeah, I don't know, I'm sure I'm sure you probably know they didn't have TVs back in Jesus' day. They didn't have TVs back in Moses' day or day, you know, King David's day. And you know what they did at night? They didn't, they didn't watch TV. You know what they did? They would go outside and they would look at stars. Now, if you go outside tonight and you try to look at the stars, you probably won't see very much. Do you know why that is? There'll be lights all around. In fact, it's not just the lights that were in your, your own particular neighborhood. The lights, you know, lights from uh, that you'll see coming out, a light coming out from the house or or uh, different places, maybe you know, street lights, lamps, and things like that. And those lamps actually keep us from seeing the night sky. But if you were to get in your car and drive away from the city, away from all the lights, and you were to you were to get outside and you were to look up, you would see the stars in a way that you might have never seen before. I grew up in Montana, and I grew up going hiking. And we would go hiking together. My dad would take me, and we would hike all day long. It would take forever. I would sit there and complain the whole time about how much I wanted the hike to be over. And finally, we would get there, and we would put our tent up and have dinner. And then the sun would go down, and often when it was nice, we would, we would simply lay our sleeping bags out uh, in, in the, in the, outside, and we would lay down and we would look up. And what was so amazing is that I could lie there, and I would close my eyes, and I waited maybe 10, 15 seconds, and I opened back up, and guess what? I would see even more stars. And I closed them again. And wait to open my eyes again. And again, I would see more and more stars, more constellations, more galaxies, more hues of color, of purple, of just reds, of all manner of beautiful colors. In fact, we have uh, some stargazers in our church. I won't name them, Kirk Jim. And, <laughs> and, um, but if you want to talk to them, they'll tell you more about the stars. In fact, you can only Kirk and Jim want to say, um, um, let's see, uh, is he here there? Linda, isn't, isn't Linda, Linda, Bill like the, he's a stargazer as well, isn't he? Okay. So Bill as well. So if you want to talk to the three of them about the stars, they'll, 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 tell, they'll talk your ear off, I suspect, about that. So they, it's, it's an it's amazing thing. Once you, get, once you learn about the stars, you may think, ah, that's kind of boring at first, but really, it's really amazing. Okay, and so the ancient world, they were all about the stars. In fact, they would be looking at the stars every night, always wondering when they're looking at their beauty, but not just looking at their beauty. Listen to this. They thought that the stars contained stories. Not just stories of, of, of you know, of, uh, 
of um, sort of like made up stories. Listen to this. They actually thought the stars told a story of humanity. And this is important, okay, because, because, because in that time, they, they thought not only did the stars tell the story of humanity, they actually thought they told a story of their own lives. And the Bible is very interesting in the sense that it speaks of the beauty of the stars, but it's very quick to say that no, the stars don't tell our own stories. But listen to this. When Jesus Christ came, God wanted everyone to know about it. Everyone. And so he decided that the best way to communicate that his son would be coming would be through, listen to this, would be through stars. See, there was really one international language in the ancient world. Whether you travel the Far East all the way to Babylon, or you live right in the heart of the Roman Empire, the city of Rome, what's amazing is that the various ways that they interpreted the stars, regardless of your language, regardless of your, your, your ethnicity, your race, regardless of all the way they interpreted the stars, was amazingly similar. So no matter where you were, often the meanings and the constellations and what they saw in the stars was the exact same. Isn't that amazing? So if you really did want to communicate to the whole world something of great importance, there's no better place to go than the stars. And it seems that that is exactly what God did. And you know, those of you, if you know this, the story of, of the of Advent, you know the story of how these magi came from the East. These magi would have been persons of relative wealth. They were probably uh, actually people who come to them and pay them money to, to talk to, to get the wisdom from them. And they would, among many other arts, among many other things that they would practice, was certainly looking at the stars and reading the meaning of the stars. And so we see in Matthew chapter 2 that the Magi travel probably the 500 plus miles. Think about that, traveling 500 miles to come to Jerusalem to arrive in the court of Herod and to say, where is the one born king of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising from the east, and we have come to worship him. Now the question is, what did they actually see? And it seems pretty fantastical that there would actually there would be the star moving around. We know the stars are far, far away. We know that they can't really move like over a, a town. What, what actually is happening? Well, we don't know for sure, but there's very, very good reason to believe, and this is, this bears itself out in the Greek, that that, they, that, the, that the actual what they actually saw, the actual celestial um, phenomenon that they saw, was probably a comet. How many of you kids know what a comet is? Comets are pretty come and they go. They're, they're amazing things. And this particular comet was, was very unusual. In fact, most likely it was, it was, it came low in the east sky. 
and it, and it, it was it was actually going up, so out from the horizon, and it had this it probably had a very very long tail. So much so that it kind of looked like. Are you ready for this? It looked like a sword or a saber, a scepter, if you will. And often comets in the ancient world were identified, ready for this, with a royal figure, with a king. And so these, these magi would have seen this comet rising in the east, rising up long with a very long tail, looking like a sword. So they would have thought, hmm, maybe there's going to be a king born. And what are we to make of the significance of the scepter? Well, in, in Babylon, this is amazing, in Babylon, because of the exile, we've just been reading through Ezra and Nehemiah about the exile, how the Jews came back from exile. Where were they living in exile? In Babylon. And so these magi would almost certainly have had interaction with various Jewish scholars living in Babylon. Think about that now. Is there, a, is there a passage in the Old Testament that speaks of a king rising, a Jewish king rising and being compared to a scepter? Of course there is. It's in Numbers 24, verse 17. This is pretty amazing. Numbers 24, 17. This is the, this is the prophecy of Balaam. He was a, a prophet used by uh, the king of Moab to prophesy uh, curses, to pronounce curses upon God's people, and instead he only pronounces blessings. And in, a, in the midst of those blessings, there are actually seven different blessings that he pronounces on God's people. But on one of them, he actually speaks, listen to this, kids, he speaks of a coming ruler. But a ruler, a king, is not going to come anytime soon, somewhere, sometime in the distant future. And this is what he says. Listen to what, what, uh, what was said here. He says, I see him. Who's him? Well, this this royal figure. I see him, but not now. So not, not right now. I behold him, but not near. Listen to this. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will arise out of Israel. Isn't that amazing? So he's saying that there's one day there will come as ruler, and he will be compared to a star and a scepter. And so the Magi would have, would have in, in, you're talking with the various Jewish uh, scribes and scholars of the time, they might have well have put this together. And what's even more amazing, though, is where this comet appeared in the night sky. And that's where, that's where Revelation chapter 12 comes in. And those of you, again, you may not know this, kids, but, but, but the, the, the night sky is divided into various signs or various uh, zodiac, uh, various, um, various areas or sections of what's called a zodiac. And in that, in the night sky, there are these different constellations. And these constellations are given names, usually based on how the stars come together to form a picture of a, of a person or a picture of a certain animal or creature. And what's amazing in Revelation chapter 12, in verse 1, is that if you were a Roman of the time and you were reading Revelation 12, 
you would think of one thing. Let me read this verse again. We're going to go, go, we're going to go through these five, six verses in the next four or five weeks. And you are going to be amazed to see the picture that begins to appear in the night sky. Now look at chapter, chapter 12, verse 1, Revelation says again, A great sign appeared in heaven. Now the word sign in Greek, semeron, semeron, uh, can mean not only sign, it can also mean constellation. Think about that, constellation in the heavens. It says a great sign or a great constellation appeared in the heaven. A woman clothed with the sun. Now think about that. Those of you who are familiar with any of the various signs of the zodiac, is, is any one of them a, a woman? Of course, it's a Virgo. Virgo, what does that stand for? A virgin. Now it's quite, it's very, it's very plausible that as the Magi looked up into the, into the night sky, they saw this comet rising. This comet that looked, like a, that looked like a scepter, and it was placed probably right in the area, the mid area of Virgo. So here you have a, a, a maiden. And often throughout throughout the various myths of the ancient world, whether it was Persian, Babylonian, uh, a, a, a Jewish, or Greco-Roman, you had this idea of a woman who was a virgin who was also able somehow to be fertile and to, to, to give birth to a child. And so regardless of the various myths, there was this common idea that was associated with this woman in the heavens. And again, she had various names for the, for the, for the Greeks and the Romans. It was, um, it was Parthenos, which of course is Greek for, for virgin. For the Romans, the Latin Virgo. Uh, from the Jews, Bethula, which means again, it's, it's Hebrew for, for virgin. All of these terms speak of a woman, a maiden, a young maiden, usually a virgin, who in some sense is a sign of fertility, a sign of of um, the possibility of giving birth. And so, again, think about this. You have, you have in the night sky the, 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 the constellation Virgo with an, a highly unusual comet rising that looks like a scepter. And for these magi, that was enough to get them really thinking that something really big is about to be happening. And what's amazing about this, again, is that you wouldn't have to be just a magi, you wouldn't have this expert. The entire world, the entire known world, would have seen this sign in the night sky and wondered what in the world was going on. Listen, I, I want to just draw a very simple a simple observation from all of this. Do you believe, listen to this, kids, do you believe that God can speak to us through nature? Earlier we sang, this is my father's world. In the rustling grass I hear him pass. He speaks to me everywhere. You believe, listen, what's so sad about our world today is we've lost the idea that we live in an enchanted 
world. A world that's just rain is just rain. That's it, it's just rain. But for you know, for Jesus, rain is not just rain. Listen to this. Jesus, you want to know that God is incredibly gracious. I mean, incredibly good. Not just to good people, but to bad people, to really bad people. You want to know that? You look at the sun and you look at the rain. Why? Because Jesus says he causes his sun to shine on both the just and the unjust. Or he sends his rain both on the just and the unjust. That God is indiscriminate in the way that he gives good gifts. That's what the sun tells us. Or think of the birds. Think of, think of the, think of the, sorry, the, the, the flowers. Jesus speaks of flowers, the flowers of the field. And yeah, they're pretty, they're nice. No, no, no. Jesus says they tell us a lot more than that. Just consider the lilies of the field. They do not sow, they don't reap. They're not busily laboring. And yet, what? God clothes them. Our Heavenly Father clothes them in such splendor. Not even King Solomon in all his glory was as beautiful as the flowers of the field which are here today gone tomorrow. Those flowers speak of God's ability to clothe us, to provide for us, to care for us. And if he cares for the lilies of the field which are here today and gone tomorrow, how much more will he not care for you and provide for you, oh, you of little faith. Or in the birds, are not two sparrows, two birds sold for a copper coin. Did not one of them fall to the ground apart from the will of my father? Even these, 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 these birds that are worth nothing, they're bought and sold in the, in the marketplace, and the, the birds, the very sparrows that were used as as the, 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 uh, the offerings, the, 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 the sacrificial offerings for the poorest of the poor. That's what they brought to would bring to the temple because they couldn't afford anything else. They were worth so little. And yet, yet God says, you know, every time you see a bird, you realize that even, even your heavenly father, he knows, he watches. His eye is on the sparrow. And so I know he watches me. See, could it be that throughout our days, we go about our days, and this is one of the great, listen, I am not a Luddite. <laughs> I am not anti-technology. The Bible is not anti-technology. But one of the most important things that we have to see about technology is that it removes us from nature. Like the French philosopher Jacques Ellul actually define technology as that which removes us or distances us from nature. So that we become content with staring at a screen of hikers hiking through a mountain instead of what? Going hiking through a mountain, right? And the distance that we have distances not only from nature, but from the God who created that nature. I just want to encourage you to be outside 
especially in this time that we're living in this pandemic, to get outside, to be among nature, to go hiking, to go to do wherever it is, to go outside, even if it's sitting on your back deck or on your front porch, wherever it may be, to go outside and to interact with nature. So even something as simple as sunset, something as simple as sunrise, they really are speaking to us. And that to explore the natural world, to be a scientist like Jim is, is a high, noble, wondrous calling because we are discovering the God who made it all with great wisdom, with great design, with great intelligence. But this, 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 this verse is just the very beginning of, an, of a narrative that the Magi saw in the night sky. Not only is there a virgin, not only is there a virgin about to give birth to a king, a king who will change everything, but right next to that sign, Virgo, is another sign that we'll read about in the next couple of weeks. Because it's called Hydra. Now, Hydra means something to you, doesn't it? For those of you who are familiar with the with the MCU, you're familiar with the Marvel comic universe, you know the term Hydra. And it might be worth exploring more. Yeah, I know, you know that term. You know that Hydra, okay? Hydra is this uh, multi-headed dragon or serpent-like creature. And, um, and it's going to want to, so it, it, it's going to want to devour that child. And so in the night sky, and I don't think that, I want you to, kids, I want you to think about exploring this. This week, you go and you ask your parents to, to explore some of these, these, these constellations in the night sky. And actually read through Revelation 1 through verse 5 and look for these various, these various signs and how they appear in the night sky. Because they have great meaning. Like they, they told the drama of Advent. The entire story is there in the skies for the first century world to see. Let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, how amazing it is, how, how guilty am I of, of daily walking through your creation, being in your world, and yet so blind to all that you are trying to teach me through it. Father, your creation is beyond marvelous. It is beyond unfathomable. It is beyond unreachable. It is truly stunning. And Father, when we, when we look at the heavens, we say with David, as we, as we trace the moon and the stars and the sun which you have made, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lord of the angels and crowned him with glory and honor and set everything under his feet. Father, who are we? as small as we are, as passive as we are, that you take notice of us in this vast and mighty universe. Father, you have, you have set your affection upon us. You have given us such dignity, such nobility, such capacity to love and to give and to serve. The ability to be just and wise and good and kind and gentle. Father, you've given us such glory. Father, how far we have fallen. How much we have forgotten. How foolish we have become. How turned in. How turned into ourselves. 
he has become how lonely or how rich he is. And yet how lowly and humble and gentle the Son is to us. How he bids us come all you who are weary and heavy laden and downtrodden. And I will give you rest. Take the yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and weak. Oh, Father, please, I pray that this Christmas season that we would rediscover the stars, that we would rediscover your Son as one who is the key, the clue to the creation, the one who unlocks the meaning of the universe, the meaning within our souls. Father, thank you so much for the riches of your word. Thank you for the prophecies of old. Thank you for the exile. Thank you for how all of this was coming together in a way that would enable distant magi from a far-off land to come and travel because they were convinced that there was one born king of the Jews who would change the world forever. So, Father, how he has, how beautiful it is to witness the way that Jesus Christ and his power and how he uses power in such gentleness and such selflessness how that has changed our world. And Father, the kings of the earth, the princes, the prime ministers, and the presidents still do not understand. Father, change our hearts that we might use the influence that you've given us in such a beautiful and sacrificial way. Father, thank you that you give our lives such meaning and such purpose. Where would we be without you? Father, we love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.